Hey, welcome everybody. This is uh, KUCI. It's Ask a Leader. It's the May 14th, 2019 edition. So let me introduce the show here on Ask a Leader. Today, back by popular demand, PhD candidate Kimberly Duong. She'll be joined by Gianna Lum, senior earth system scientist at UCI, taking up effective communications in and bridging research with the general public to increase literacy. Their tools are pretty impressive. So be ready for the abundant takeaways, folks, like putting down all the websites we're going to give you. We'll up everybody's communications game in climate science. Be right back. Love the township tracks, this lovely sound from South Africa. Welcome back to the show, everybody. My guests for the larger share of the hour are UCI engineering PhD candidate Kimberly Dong and UCI Earth System Science senior Gianna Lum presenting their secret sauce of effectively communicating their research to a broader public. I've seen that sauce on display. It's awesome. If it weren't for their heft, some of us might be even lighter sleepers. First, let's introduce Gianna Lum. She was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, finishing up at high school in D.C. She's a fourth-year Earth System scientist with a specialization in atmospheric science and urban studies double major at UCI. She is associate director of student-founded climate communications organization called Climate PD. We've talked about that with Kimberly, and we're going to talk more about it today. And she's Gianna's president of the UCI branch of Climatepedia. She founded the Climate Memes Outreach Project, and you can start looking, pulling up your Instagram and see what's the latest climate underscored memes posting today. Gianna manages the Climatepedia Student Certificate Program and organizes climate change panels to educate the public. Gianna was an organizer for the March 15th UC Irvine Climate Movement and author of a petition to promote collaboration on climate solutions between the university, the city of Irvine, and the surrounding Orange County community. Aside from the climate action, Gianna conducts research on paleoclimatology, the study of past climates, and she competes on UCI's figure skating team. And returning from a pretty recent appearance on the show is Kimberly Dong, PhD candidate at UCI's School of Engineering and co-founder of Climatepedia and regular contributor to Science Policy Group. Raised in Sacramento, Kimberly completed her Bachelor's of Science in Atmospheric, Oceanic, and Environmental Sciences at UCLA, her Master's in Science in Civil Engineering at Water and Water Resources Engineering at UCI. So working in the interdisciplinary fields of hydrology, water resources, and science policy, Kimberly's research focuses on urban drought management in Southern California. She's completing her PhD this September. One more pitch for her employee, folks, so take note. She is a Voices for Science Advocate for the American Geophysical Union and a Mircian 2018 Science and Technology Policy Fellow for the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. 
She also founded the Climatepedia Student Certificate Program and the UCI Student Chapter and is a member of the AGU, that's the, as I said, the American Geophysical Union Advancing Earth-Based Science, presenting for our consideration the anatomy of a researcher and a spokesperson. So both Kimberly and Gianna joined me in studio along with our intern, Brittany, and I want to welcome everybody, Kimberly, Gianna, to Ask a Leader. Thank you for having me on again. Thanks, Claudia. That's a Kimberly voice. Here's Gianna. Thanks for having me too, Claudia. I'd like to start with Gianna. You, I noticed, I'm looking, digging a little more into the background. You converted a six-week internship into a couple of years with the Vang Group a couple of years ago. It's one, one of your projects putting together a keynote speech for U.S. Senator Mazi Hirono, whose public speaking packs quite a punch. Could you, Gianna, talk about that or other formative experiences? Did they launch your application toward combining science, policy, and communication? That presentation wasn't about science policy, but it was just about communicating Maisie Hirono's life to the public. Okay. And she just needed help putting together a pretty presentation, a PowerPoint presentation. So I just used Prezi and made it visually appealing to the public so that she could have a fireside chat with them about her life. But you needed to get the storytelling. You needed lots of lots of aspects that sort of are a, a large part, are, are they not, of the communication of now the substantive area being science. So it was a bit storytelling. It was a bit just putting together visually appealing images and just figuring out what the public would really relate to. Okay. So now I'd like for for both of you to talk about well, let's just talk about when you and Kimberly first met, too, and what what you decided was going to be what kind of work you'd be doing together. So I met Kimberly when I was a freshman at UCI. And like many freshmen, I didn't know what I was doing yet. I hadn't joined any clubs. And one day I thought, okay, Gianna, you need to get out of your room. Stop being so shy. So I signed up for the Climatepedia mailing list at the Ant Eater Involvement Fair, and I was getting an email every week, so I thought, okay, today is going to be the day this week that I'm going to join, and I'm going to go to a Climatepedia meeting. So I went. It was a really small group. I think there were only three or four students when I first joined. And Kimberly was the president, and she told me the mission of Climatepedia. And it was to communicate the risks and solutions of our changing climate in a simple and reliable way. And I thought, okay. In all of my Earth System Science classes, I'm learning about all these horrible things that are happening about climate change, but I really want to do something. You were already aware. I was already aware, yeah, but I just felt kind of helpless. But Climatepedia gave me this hope that I can communicate to people what's going on with climate change and what are all the things that we can do to find solutions and fix it. So Kimberly here joining us in here now. So there is one of the many tools at your disposal here now. It's a... Six Americas is a site, it's a platform, where a spectrum of the public's disposition toward climate science, climate uh, issues, uh, the spectrum includes alarmed, concerned, we're going we're gonna to go from, uh, I guess, the probably the, we could say from the most to the maybe least informed, but the spectrum's in alarmed, 
to concerned, to cautious, to disengaged, doubtful, and dismissive. Those are the trends that folks, um, that I'd like for Kimberly to talk about what's trending in where are people starting to move toward from where they were before as they're becoming more informed, as they're now seeing various disasters occurring. Yeah, so that's a good point. And I would say that the the brainchild of Sticks Americas was really um, from the Yale program on climate change communications. They started this study about 10 years ago, actually, in 2009, and they've constantly been making updates to that. The most recent update was December 2018, where they surveyed the American public again. And you can find uh, this information online. They have maps and they have lots of other studies. But I would say that my observation of how these groups have changed is that the unconcerned or the disengaged uh, middle groups, that is the cautious, disengaged, and doubtful, those groups have shrunk a bit. And I would say that it's a good thing because people are becoming more engaged. And that's something that we personally at Climatepedia are very um, interested in looking at because in our point of view, it's harder to talk to people who have made up their minds already one way or another. And so to inform those who are uninformed or just don't have access to resources to learn about climate change, uh, that's really where our bread and butter is. And that's really where we can contribute the most. So uh, I guess this is not not to broadside you, Kimberly, and Gianna, perhaps you have some insight about this, too, is how do we gauge that movement in people's dispositions? How can we measure that? How How is it fathomable? So there are numerous surveys that have been done, and over the last two years especially... Uh, by press, press platforms or... Uh, oh, by uh, Yale Program on Climate Communications, lots of research programs. I think there was a study from... University of Chicago and other similar climate communications. There's a George Mason one too. There's a George Mason University one as well. And in the past two years, of course, these surveys have been going on for a lot, a lot longer than that. But over the past two years, we've seen a trend towards people becoming more engaged, more concerned, probably because of the extreme weather that's been going on across the country. I mean... Yeah, and last week I had a a polling forecaster from a a Virginia university, and she she knows her stuff. She called the midterm elections last year. She came within two, the number of two of the districts that were going to flip in the midterm. She called it in July. So she was talking about, for some gauging, you got to make sure your sample size are really, really truthful. And so you're you're pretty confident with with your data-driven work that these are really solid polls that are gauging where people's dispositions toward climate change are, uh, you know, are being measured. Yeah, these are national studies from numerous universities conducted over several years. In this case, for Yale, they've been doing this for over 10 years. So as they continue to refine and improve their survey, we see that the results are trending more towards people either becoming more concerned, more knowledgeable, more engaged in this topic. And I think that the results of some of the midterm elections that are being flipped, particularly in Orange County, have reflected this greater movement towards more awareness and uh, concern about climate change. 
Now, I don't remember, Kimberly, when you were here last, were we talking about whether you thought that climate change was a driver of outcomes here in Orange County? I think that's a complicated question. I, I, I can only speak to that portion of it and to people that I know, but I believe that that was a contributor. Okay. So for those of you who've just joined us, my guests are Kimberly Dong, UCI engineering PhD candidate and Gian alum. She's a fourth year. She's a senior earth system science student and president of the UCI club Climatepedia. So we're, we were, we're talking about, we'll come in and out of talking about the congressional sort of dynamic here. What we didn't get to talk about when Kimberly was last on enough is the Tyndall petition that's 7,700 plus climate change experts. They're sort of signing on with this petition, endorsing the, I guess, the, the urgency of attending to climate change. So where do we leave off? You want to fill us more in on what, because right now I think that's under some little housekeeping, so I can't really see the latest on the website there, Kimberly. Yeah, so one of the major projects within Climatepedia is the Tyndall petition, and that was something that we had started around 2010, 2011. It's basically a statement that says that climate change is real, happening now, urgent, and we need to do something to mitigate our greenhouse gas emissions uh, to avoid the worst of the consequences. And humans are causing it. That's a whole key point right. in the position. So that would be the gist of the statement. But the other side of that is that we ask climate change experts, and, and we say experts because we don't mean only climate scientists. There are lots of other disciplines that study and have uh, expertise in this topic. So we ask climate change experts, mostly PhDs in reputable universities across the U.S., we ask them do you want to sign this statement? And they sign virtually. And for every single one of them, we create a profile. And that profile includes uh, their institution, their title, uh, the expertise that they have, the, their website or contact information, and a picture of them. Um, and this network of 700 plus people is across the country. And we are constantly trying to reach out to more people and get more signatories. That's what we call uh, the people who sign the statement are signatories. And are you putting them up for sort of broader public sort of uh, profile so people can see the mantle of this authority weighing in? Most definitely, yeah. How is that done? So we have a website, climatepedia.org, and we're actually in the process of redoing our website. So I'm painstakingly <laughs> re revising <laughs> And these. doing a dissertation. <laughs> That's right. And Pain doing the other club duties. Right, right. So painstakingly... Um, re-uploading uh, the profile. So you'll see on the website, it's a little bit clunky right now, but we're working on it and um, we'll be continuing to get all of those profiles uploaded this summer. But the, the reason why we have these profiles is to address, I would guess, the lack of visibility among these experts in the mass media. That's Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And does this give you a chance too to show so many different disciplines. Exactly, to, to yeah. To add to the integrity the breadth, of analysis. The breadth and the diversity of not only geographically, discipline-wise, um, individually, there are lots of... Like what is the, for example, what's the breadth? I mean, we can mention like people in your disciplines, but are there others that, that we wouldn't, we'd be surprised to see? Yeah, lots of people in social sciences who are looking at the human impacts. 
there are economists, there are people studying law, um, economics, and I would say those are just a few of the disciplines that we feature, but uh, definitely extremely relevant when it comes to the policy side. And of course, we have a fair share of the scientists as well who can give expertise on all of the mechanisms behind the science, but that's only one aspect of the topic. So we're trying to address the need to represent better the experts who are looking at these issues and not just one climate scientist versus one climate denier in the mass media. So and I, I think of crossing the, you know, different divides and things like that. And I'm thinking of scientists. And I think of Catherine Ho all the time. And I'm thinking, are there any sorts of uh, divinity uh, theologians? Are they also in the Tyndall petition? Do you happen to know? Like, if if not, maybe there's a you know you can send out your message. Yes, Gianna. Right now, we don't have theologians, but we're working on our website to frame the issue of climate change in different ways. Good. Uh, how's climate that? climate change is really a framing issue. So right now, we're having us and some of our Climatepedia interns write pages based on different value groups. So we have groups for people who are religious or religious leaders. We're writing some for the military, some for how firefighters are related to climate change and how they're all affected. Just all these different groups that maybe you wouldn't think are necessarily climate groups, but everybody really is affected by climate change. So we just want to frame in on how specifically and how the their values are affected too. So Tyndall petition, it's not just academic. You could have representatives of trade groups. Oh, no. The Tyndall petition is a different part of our website. Oh, right, right. Other okay. parts of it, we also have information on climate change. Okay. And so, that's where we have the religious aspect of it. Okay. Yeah. So we're hoping that the Tyndall petition will become a resource for teachers for community members uh, who might want to to look at a map and say, um, I I want to have a climate change expert present in my HOA group. And maybe they can look at the Tyndall petition and see that, oh, there's an expert here uh, somewhere in my state or close by Mm -hmm. at the university that I would never would have known otherwise. And you know, they seem receptive to communicating with the public and maybe I'll reach out to them and see if we can connect. And and so that's our hope is that we can connect people at the local level, but also show the breadth and diversity of experts across the country. So it's beyond giving these academicians an opportunity for endorsing, but giving them some assignments out in their communities. Yeah, I'm not going to give them homework on their behalf. But oh, well, why I would, would say. I would I wouldn't be <laughs> I would, doing my yeah. job here if yeah. I didn't take advantage of But I, I, I think that they know that signing on to our statement is going to give them the visibility from the general public, and, and that's really where the educating needs to happen at this point. Gianna, do you have anything to add to that? So that's think, great, all those groups that you're talking mm-hmm. about and the other section of Climpedia. In the future, as we update our website, we also want to add the uses of the Tyndall petition. As okay. We as a climate communications organization, we want to be politically neutral and neutral in our message, just saying, like, this is the science. These are the people who agree. Maybe their opinions aren't necessarily our opinions, but if you want to use our petition, you can use it to say and maybe tell your congressman and say, these are all the people who actually agree that climate change is real. I guess I I have some difficulties with who gets to say that it's politically neutral or not, because some things that we might consider just a matter of fact might be politically charged for somebody else. So that that's not an easy 
kind of assignment. Yeah, what we mean by that is that we are not advocating for particular bills or policies. We're displaying the information as it is scientifically accurate. Oh, okay. And then allowing the resources on our website, the Climate 101 information or the Tyndall petition, uh, the ensuing products, those can be used by the general public for their purposes. We're not advocating for particular policies or particular Congress people or anything like that. That's basically what we mean by being neutral. We're not endorsing. Uh, okay, so not nothing about like, and even though it's aspirational, it's not. There's not a particular policy coming from the Green New Deal. You still wouldn't weigh in either way. Yeah, we don't. We don't endorse any partisanship. Okay. Well, I don't think it's it's not partisan. It's aspirational in a general sense. But for you, that's it. It it doesn't pass the test. It is considered partisan. So through, that's through so, our meme page, though. We just have information on what different policies are. Right. And then we'll ask our audience, "What do you think?" And then in the comments, they'll say, "Why or why not?" about the Green New Deal. We'll talk about the meme page a little bit more later, but I will stay right with this right now. Um, so with the Tyndall petition, too, you're, um, so you're always taking more signatories. I mean, that, are you always sort of recruiting? Yeah. Adding yeah, to it. Definitely. So 700 going on 1,700. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, every, it's like, let's make it, everybody needs to be on this yeah. petition. Okay. So, and is there somebody at Climapedia that's working on doing the the kind of promoting and pairing and matching and sending people out there? Is that how does that sort of assignment take place, or that just it's just a resource and people use it in their decentralized settings? So, within our executive board, I would say basically everyone wears all hats, and depending on availability and needs, that we all are advocating and trying to I mean you can sort of like yeah <laughs> urge trying, somebody into yeah, into an assignment trying to to get people to be involved or to tell them about what we do um and I would say that the the reception has been has been quite good actually people who are interested in doing something because I think that that sense of helplessness is something that has not quite been addressed yet I mean there's not enough yeah, yeah there's all kinds of education we need to do more and I get questions all the time what can individuals do I mean yesterday even I was giving a presentation to some 10th graders really um, what in, in Irvine no actually it was through a program called Skype a scientist so I was actually talking to a 10th grade classroom in Vancouver and oh in uh, Washington Vancouver BC actually, oh, okay in Cause, Canada because of the well the Vancouver Washington happened to be where their governor running for president signed a vaccination legislation last week. So, but I want to make sure. So you went out of the country, but you were in Vancouver, BC <laughs> yeah, at, with 10th graders. So yeah, with 10th graders. It was and, a two-way. Yep. Yeah, and talking about climate change and, you know, their questions were valid. They, they were, <laughs> yeah. they were very, I, I would say attuned. They felt helpless about what they could do specifically. I mean, not being of voting age, not being of any age to, be able to address the factories that are next door to their their school and things like that. And so um, in that way, I think that we are helping to address this feeling of, you know, I want to do something, but I don't know what. And so we provide some structure around that and little things that they could do to help. So we are talking about communication and you're going out in the field with a 10th grade cohort and what comes to my mind is the kind of rage that 
the young cohort feels when they're interacting with their elders who are in denial about this. And they're sort of like, how dare you? The 10th graders are saying, how dare you make me inherit this mess? So is there any any kind of um, communication? I guess that's part of the, the six Americas. Or that's Canada's Americas, too. Uh, so how would you see, how are you helping those 10th graders engage their elders? Because it's that... I know of those exact situations that are going on, and it's it's very corrosive for them activating as well as keep, I mean, being a cohesive family kind of structure. Yeah, I definitely sense that in our conversation yesterday. I, I had a question from someone who was not ironically asking, what's no. the point of going to school if the world's going to end for them in, in the future? Um, and... I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically the gist of it is, is why are we bothering to, to go through all of these years of school if this climate crisis is happening now and is basically going to ruin our future? And I, I didn't try to say that, you know, as long as you keep your head up, then everything will be okay. But I did say that there are things that you could do now, even tomorrow or today. Uh, you are free to contact your local representatives you can speak at city council meetings um, you can write letters or meet with your local representatives at whatever level that is at the local level city county state or in their case province level and I would say that getting informed and talking to the people that they interact with the most really um, is key because there's no convincing someone when a scientist walks in and tells them that you need to care about climate change. That scientist means nothing to them. But if their daughter or son or very close friend says, hey, climate change is a really scary thing and I'm concerned, I'm worried for my future, that person who has been disengaged in the past will probably care more about the topic just because someone that they care about is concerned. Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense. And I'm thinking, obviously, of a specific anecdote and where it's, there is just, there's such hard wiring about the denial and the the granddaughter is, and this is a, somebody, this is a Brexit supporter. So we're talking somebody in the UK and I'm thinking of it specifically. And the granddaughter is incredulous and she keeps trying to Reapproach them about the what to do with that kind of denial. But it's they're not going to be around when she's having to deal with this. So, but so you're talking about there's a civic engagement as one antidote, and the other is that registering back to this idea that your feelings instead of reasoning with them. If you register your feelings, you might get through to that elder cohort in your family. Yeah, the the messenger is key, as Catherine Hayhoe likes to say. Yep. And that is something that I think is not quite conveyed to many people who want to be engaged in climate communications is that, you know, as as long as people know that uh, uh, the Milinkovich cycles are not the cause, or as long as people know that sea level rise is happening now, if they just have the data, they will understand and they will be supportive. And that's, that's just not what we've observed in a lot of cases. And so another way to go about it is 
to reach out to people. That's why we, we have something called value groups. The people in your community who are concerned about it for whatever reason they may be concerned have a greater impact just because they're more important to you than some scientist who's giving you a bunch of data. So we're moving in here to communicating with different groups. Gianna, you have a, there's a particular meeting about, uh, with some climate skeptics that Kimberly was talking about in, in preparation for the show that you had to give us some, uh, some case studies. Case studies, okay. Because so, these are all tools for us to, yes. to go forth. So some UC Irvine students and I were involved in organizing the March 15th Friday for Fridays for Future strike at UCI, and we called it a UCI Climate Movement. And so that was all an international strike. Yeah, it was all an international. Students and countries all over the world gathered at their universities, at their city halls on that March 15th. And when we were advertising the event, our students were chalking all over campus with messages about climate change, why they should care, um, to join us at the flagpoles on that day. And one night, I was waiting for some other friends to come chalk with me. And it was about 7 p.m. It was already dark, and I, I was just chalking something about um, how we need carbon neutrality. And then this big man walks up to me. Where are you again? You're right around campus? I'm on the bridge. Am okay. I allowed to cuss or not on this show? No, I'm actually. not. Okay, just thank, sure. thank you for <laughs> thank you just for clearing that because I because I usually don't have a problem with that, and when it comes up, I always overreact, and then I really have an FCC fine on my hands. So, <laughs> so if you can uh, just start with an uh, just give us a consonant. Okay. And he just yelled at me, "This is BS," and I said, "Sorry, why why do you think this is BS?" I'm talking about how we need to. Act and you're on not talking change. to him; he's just overhearing this. No, I, I'm just chalking. I'm, I'm writing. I'm not even talking to him or looking at him. That's what I mean. He's, yeah. 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 Okay. And he He's just approaches me in you. the dark and says this is BS. And I get caught off guard. This is a really big guy. <laughs> I'm alone on a bridge waiting for my friends still. And so I decide, okay, keep calm, Gianna. Your friends are coming soon. This Let, is opportunity. Yeah, this is opportunity. Let's see, silver let's, lining. Let's see why he doesn't think climate change is a thing or why he doesn't think we should address it. So you go, oh, I'm just trying to spread awareness about climate change. We really need solutions right now. And he goes, well, I'm breathing in and out right now. And are you saying that breathing is a crime because that's contributing to carbon? And I start talking about all the facts, how climate change is anthropogenic and humans are causing it. And because we have all these fossil fuels that we're putting all this carbon in the atmosphere. And he starts talk, citing all these fake studies. <laughs> right, right. Like like expiring. Yeah. So I keep trying dioxide. to tell him the facts and the facts. I'm like, okay, this is not working. I even give him my climate PE card and say, look at our website. He probably won't. No. And I think about it. I'm thinking, okay, how do I relate to this guy? I have no idea how to relate to this random big guy on, <laughs> on the bridge in Irvine. What do I do? So I think. And I think, okay, what about the solutions? I should address solutions with him and see if he agrees with some of the solutions. So I ask him, just curious, maybe you're not understanding or you don't agree with all the data on past climate and humans are causing all this warming, but what are your views on nuclear? And then he tells me, oh, I think I'm pro-nuclear. I think that we should stop polluting. We need cleaner air. Oh. And... <laughs> All right, there's your end. And nuclear could be one of the solutions. I And I go, okay, here we go. We're on the same side. We both want clean air. And then we start talking a little bit more about nuclear and how he thinks uh, we, should, we shouldn't be closing down all of those factories. 
And then at the end of our conversation, he wishes me good luck with the strike. Okay. So that it was a matter of finding that area. Yeah. Finding out how our views and how our values align and then really just having them talk to, not just splurting out all the data on them because they really won't listen to all the data in the science. So I know you're in kind of a mild state of shock that you got that far with him, so you're not able to move on him with giving him an assignment there. But is that sort of like on your three by five card for your next climate skeptic encounter? Is okay, we're gonna we're gonna get to the point on common ground, and there, I mean, there's got to be an assignment after this. Like, so so you know, just share this encounter with uh, your friends that you watch Fox with or something. I, I don't know. I mean, just like it's we, we need to have those assignments ready because we're we don't know what's coming at us. And we need to have that sort of safety net of, you know, we're we're, we're ready. We're ready to move on that opportunity because he could have, uh, you know, he could fan out and sit back and talk about CO2 with his friends. Yeah, she's nodding. OK, <laughs> so uh, there's others. Kimberly has also her one-on-ones and one on then like when you were here on the other show the last show where your congressional member was with you and then went for a, a, like two different votes but they kept coming back so i don't know if you want to like bring out some other details about that or other congressional encounters that you have in the name of communicating with people that are not persuaded that it's as urgent as we're persuaded yeah so i have um an experience pretty similar to Gianna's, except I I went going in knowing that this person was a climate denier. Are we in Congress now or somewhere yes, else? Yes, okay. in Congress. So <laughs> I went to D.C. specifically to talk to Congress members who were climate denying about supporting climate action in various ways. Um, but I knew that the message had to be formed a little bit differently because of their stance on carbon and carbon fee and dividend and carbon taxes so I tried to find an angle where we could find common ground just like Gianna did right and I did some research and found out that this this congressperson was really passionate also about clean air and also about um, getting Southern California off of imported water because that's also a, a pretty big political topic in this region and so I talked about my work in drought research, in stormwater research, and and this person was very receptive to that and supported electrifying our public transit system because there are too many people with respiratory illnesses and there are too many people relying on water that is not ours, so to speak, on imported water. And so I talked about my research making our water resources more efficient by capturing storm water, treating it, and then using that water instead of letting it run into our storm drains and then polluting our beaches. And, and so I think that conversation turned out to be a really good one. Resonating. Right. But just like Gianna's situation, it started out a little bit, a little bit more abrasive. And I think this person was, was bracing for impact to expect that I was going to come in there as a scientist waving my papers around and lecturing them about how they need to agree or they need to read these papers or they need to endorse a certain way and and that really wasn't what our aim was going into the meeting and I think that that helped this person relax a little bit. So when I hear the two of you talking about 
the common ground. And uh, I don't know if this is part of what Climatepedia is trying to offer out there, but maybe we have to, for about 80% of these audiences, we dispense with the term climate change, climate damage or climate, and we just talk about public health. Yeah. I mean, the wording, the wording does not have to include the word climate in it. And I think that if that's something that is going to get in the way of moving the conversation forward, that's not something you need to say. I mean, it, personally speaking, yeah, in that one meeting I had, we never used those words. Right. And we talked about things that were relevant to the community because this, this person that we were talking to had that as a high priority. And for other people who are more concerned about the science side or about the mechanisms, yeah, then you can talk about the the aspects within climate science. But the the first thing you have to do is gauge your audience, understand where they're coming from, gauge their level of knowledge or their stance, just like Gianna did, and then go from there. You you really can't move forward with the conversation right. without getting knowing who you're talking to. For those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader on Radio KUCI. We're in the middle of our fund drive. Please do give us a call, 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI. And I have the pleasure of having my guest for the larger share of the hour. We have Kimberly Dong, UCI Engineering PhD candidate and Gian alum, fourth-year Earth System Science student and president of the UCI Club Climatepedia. We've been talking about Climatepedia in so many different ways. So you've also now set up the climate underscore memes on Instagram. So what occurred to me last week when the UN report on the plummeting of the of biodiversity Species. around the freaking world here. And so there's there's two there's two whole kinds of of operating sort of sensibilities here. There's the detail. There's a commitment to look at that biodiversity, the whole report, understand it. And then there's looking at a meme. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're, I mean, you're going to try to, you're, like you're saying in your communications, catch people where they are. Are they on Instagram hanging out, you know, and people are responding. You they can are, see yeah. that on there. So you got to start there. Are you sending them like, I mean, you're giving a, a picture and you're giving us a, a short lesson. It's like about what, uh, whoosh. Ninety-five five sentences. Five yeah. yeah. So it's the meme first, just an amusing cartoon that has a couple things labeled, like this one is the UN. This is or this is people who don't care about climate change. It's hard to explain a meme on on the radio without showing you. But, but we have the yeah yeah we have the funny image. Then we have the longer description in the caption, and then we usually make a tiny URL if people really want to read more and go to the actual report at the end of our caption. So I just want you quickly, both of you, to. to address though that your very thorough scientists and you know researchers and analysts so that you're having to reconcile the detail that's spelling out taking us out of the abstract what's spelling out what's really happening and so dealing with that amount of data with just squeezing into a meme that must be a real sort of a a, a whole shift of, of your ways of, of operating well, we have a whole team of Climatepedia students who help us. So usually I'll read the report and then I'll put it in my own words, summarize it in a couple sentences. 
and then I'll ask the students from Climatopedia at UCI to narrow down even more, and then we'll all work as a group and figure out what memes are trending this week or what funny images will we find online that is memeable, and how can we relate that to the data that we just summarized. So are, are people on Instagram feeding you some more uh, fodder for uh, future memes, too? Definitely, so yeah. We get DMs all the time from people, and they say, we have these facts. Somebody from Canada was DM- DMing me just last week saying okay. these are all these good things that are happening in Canada, and they're really not communicating the good things, and we're just hearing all this really bad stuff, but let's have some positive in there, too. Um, they just implemented a carbon tax, and in the U.S., we had no idea about that, so I, I'd like to meme that, too. DM is direct direct, yeah, direct mess, messages. We, okay, yeah, we do. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, that's fine. No, but I think it's becoming more of a verb than you know than you imagine us old types doing. So, well, let's give every listener a chance to engage more, be more active. Uh, they know that they can go to climate underscore memes. They know they can go to climatepedia to find out the latest and the greatest. What um, are other ways folks can get involved? Here's your pitch here to get us going and any upcoming events we need to know about. There's a, there's a, okay. We Gianna. are currently taking interns for the summer for the Climatopedia Student Certificate Program. And that's a program that Kimberly and I started, well, that's two years ago now, two summers ago. That's crazy. And what we do is we give articles and videos to students and this year, we actually have some students from France who are signed up to be interns. So I guess now we'll have people wow. Skyping in with us worldwide. But once a week, they'll get the articles and the videos. And then we'll do a one-hour discussion session over Skype with them once a week where they discuss the material and we ask them questions about it, sort of like an oral quiz. Because in real life, you don't really have multiple choice and you don't really write out your answers. You have to It's a seminar. It's yeah. a conversation. It's just more of a really. conversation okay. over Skype. And they talk with other people in their cohort who are also reading the same the same articles. And right now, we've had students from all over the UC system. And yeah, I had somebody from LinkedIn who messaged me from France. So we have some students internationally now who will join us this summer. So if you'd like to join, you can email me at gianna at climatopedia.org. And I can G-I- send G-I-A-N-N-A at C-L-I-M-A-T-E-P-E-D-I-A dot org. And we're taking applications until June 7th. Oh, actually, I want to go back on the climate memes. I've got two two for you here. Okay. Talking to you, UCI facilities. That I, I want to I see more bike racks on a net zero campus. There's, there's that issue. And yesterday, I was absolutely just floored that we have opening up this climate destruction where in in Central Africa, I'm trying to remember which country, where there's a plethora of electronic solid waste piling up and those goods are getting smashed open and all of this toxic chemicals, they're all being sort of run out so that batteries can be have the lead repurposed, but all of the the lethal chemicals are just being sort of abandoned, just drained into the the groundwater supply. So I don't know if we can sort of figure about a a meme that shows that containing e-waste is like super important because once those chemicals are released, we've we've just totally done in a water supply. So anyway, that's those are... Put that in our meme ideas, yeah. 
And also, if speaking about the bike racks, if all of you want to get more involved in Irvine, we've I, been, I always I bring yes. it to the, I say let's do a tour of and I can. There's one building where people congregate all the student center, and there aren't bike racks around. There. So anyway, it's it's a visual, it's an optic that says we're committed to a net zero campus, mm-hmm. functionally speaking. So, so we always have more topics than we have time. So there's, as Kimberly knows, there's standing invitation to return to ask a leader. So did you? Okay, quickly. And yeah, Gianna. if you want to get involved tonight, yes. actually, yes. We're taking some students to Irvine City Hall because we'd like to oh, urge yes. the local government. We can all act locally to tell them that we need a climate action plan, a standalone climate action plan. And by California state law, the city has to update its general plan. That's a blueprint of the city's policies. And right now, Irvine is on a path to not have a climate action plan and just sprinkle throughout its general plan what it's doing about climate change. Recycling. And, <laughs> and there's really not much that we, they can do to keep track and keep them accountable. So we want to hold the city accountable for taking climate action and meeting California greenhouse gas emission So that's targets. today, and that's I think tonight, it's around 6, 6.30 people are starting. Yeah, around asking. 6.30 people are meeting at Irvine City Hall. There's actually going to be a press conference at 4 p.m. We have our Climatepedia conference call during that time, so I can't make the press conference. But you can come as early as 4, and it'll probably be from 6.30 to 7.00. There will be public comments if you want to make one, and I'll be making one on the importance of having a standalone climate okay. action plan. And so, the, and the outcome you want is to consolidate all of the climate action aspects into one element, so yes, we can see of the general everything together there, and we can and it can be progress can be gauged mm-hmm. for how the goals are being met that are aspired to. Yeah, and in sometimes general section. plans are only updated every 10, 20 years, so we can make a huge impact if we convince city council to add that in their climate in their general plan, the standalone climate action plan. Kimberly, you going to be there? That's right. Okay. Well, I want to thank you ladies so very much for being on Ask a Leader today, for coming in studio. Thank you, Claudia. Thanks, Claudia. Thanks for having us. So I want to thank Kimberly Duong and Diana Lum for coming today to talk about Climatepedia, climate memes, climate action, and climate communication. It's been such a pleasure having you on. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Well, this is my wrap. Next week, I'm going to have on UCI Humanities Dean Tyrus Miller about some warning signs on the horizon with Stanford University Press's closing down, then reopening. And speaking of openings, we'll also talk about the expanded and shinier than ever Aquarium of the Pacific with their CEO, Jerry Shibble. I'll be looking for their climate messages. Talk with you next week. Thank you for listening, everyone. Dee ba 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 dee 